the time here is 17 minutes after 20 hours. It's a very, very dark city. This is Johannesburg, and it's starting to affect even the major broadcaster here. Yeah, these rains and the infrastructure issues associated with load shedding, it's fast becoming, if it isn't already, a national security question. It just is not preponderable that load shedding would have the kind of impact that it does. Forget the households for a moment, and it's not to suggest at all that that impact is not real. But our national sovereignty is at stake here, frankly speaking, with these ongoing rollouts. And every single time it rains, we almost know what's going to happen, particularly in this part of the world. The question is for how long and what would, open close quote, the enemy be making out of these? These are the questions, unfortunately, we have to engage if we are to reflect, frankly, on the status of governance in the society in which we call our beloved Mzans Africa. Nonetheless, let's welcome Dr. Pindile Masongane, the CEO of the Petroleum Petroleum Agency of South Africa. We're going to be talking about, in the general sense, a look at the country's oil and gas exploration strategy. Perhaps before we do that, we need to understand who PASA is, Petroleum Agency of South Africa, their mandate, who their members are, and what in the matrix of the South African government's setup and in support of government's mandate, their role is as it pertains to the energy sector. In line with my prelude, we shall engage the question of the city of Johannesburg appealing for load shedding respite so that they can attend to the power outages amid adverse weather conditions. And the person to whom we shall be speaking in that regard is Mr. Michael Sun, city of Johannesburg's MMC member of mayoral committee for the Environment and Infrastructure Services. That is the first hour. Of course, at any given time, you may call, and we certainly please do encourage you to call, 086-000-2032. Voice notes, you get the drill. Don't be inspired by by that voice note we played. There was just a bit of an excitement in the air because that background noise is not the kind that we encourage for our voice notes, please. But nonetheless, certainly do contribute 0614-104-107. SAFM radio WhatsApp line. So, Pindi, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Good evening, uh, Songezo, and good evening to your listeners. Thank you so much for inviting the Petroleum Agency, as known as PASTO. Indeed, it is our pleasure having you here. I'm just giving the production team an opportunity to engage the network issues here, as would from time to time happen when the infrastructure challenges at ESCOM are of the kind that we would have this intermittent frequency. So unfortunately to the listeners, please bear with us to the extent that you can. That is not an indication of either of our respective networks, just rather the network, as it were, is giving us a bit of trouble. Now, South (laughs) Africa has historically been... Can you hear me now, Songhezi? Yeah, sure, certainly. We, we can, we can. Okay. Thank you very much for inviting the Petroleum Agency SA, PASA, to your show. Good evening to your listeners. Thank you so much, Ms. Pindi. First things first, who are PASA? What does PASA do? Who is its major client relative to its mandate? And what should South Africans understand PASA to be? And how can, if at all, have agency with or relations with PASA? The Petroleum Agency South Africa PASA is the regulatory authority 
for the upstream oil and gas industry. So we are the ones that advise the Minister of Mineral Resources and Energy whether or not he can license an applicant who wants to do any exploration or production of oil and gas in the country. Songhezo, your listeners will know that the petroleum resources that we have as a country belong to all of us. And therefore, they are held in trust of the, of the uh, people of South Africa by the government who administers them. So the Petroleum Agency, SA, is the arm of government that assists government in terms of regulating the space to make sure that the oil and gas deposits that we Yeah, it is a challenge. We, of course, are affected here at the National Broadcaster by these outages. And that might just be an indication of the, the, the breakage. attraction of oil and gas. Sorry, Mrs. Pinti, I'm going to have to interrupt you there. I beg your pardon for this because there was a bit of what you were saying that we absolutely could not pick up and did not pick up by virtue of the outages to which I made reference. The public broadcaster, unfortunately, no less affected as the majority of outlets in the country. So I'm just going to propose we take a short break while we try and get some sense of what we can do behind the scenes with the production team. I beg your pardon to those of you who are at home, but surely you can indulge us this bit. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. I'm so sorry to have to do this, but I think, Suspindi, it's best if you just start again your response because we caught very little of it in you engaging us, who PASA is and its mandate and how South Africans should understand and relate with it. Mm-hmm. It's not happening, team. Suspindi. Is this better? No, it's not. I, I'm saying that only because I just heard you ask that question, but I don't know what the, this is to which I'm going to have to venture an answer. Can we just try, please, one more time, after which I'll just probably have to can this interview and just fast track the other one with the hope that we can try and revive it either later on in the show or reschedule it. Suspindi, final take. Uh, the Petroleum Agency SA is the regulatory authority for the upstream oil and gas industry. So we are the ones that advise the government whether or not they can license an operator who wants to explore for oil and gas on our on our country, on our exclusive economic zone, as well as onshore our country. And we are the ones that license for the production or extraction of any oil and gas in the country. So as you know, Sengu, the oil and gas deposits that we have belong to all South Africans. And all the government does is to administer these resources on behalf of all the people of, of South Africa. So we are the arm of government that helps with that regulation. Why is it important for us to understand the work that you do? Or put differently, now that the oil prices are as high, certainly by relative standards as they are now, people certainly have a much stronger relationship with oil and gas, certainly when it comes to one filling up one's car at the petrol station. But generally speaking as well, the cost of doing business and the cost of food prices all of this in one way or the other comes down to the oil price and that in one way or the other comes to the oil and gas space. Create for us, please, that nexus so that we can understand what's happening down there 
is precisely how we are affected, if you like, up here. Um, Songezo, the world as we know it runs on oil and gas. The oil industry is a $1.7 trillion industry. It is bigger than all the other minerals combined. Oil, gas and coal supply 82% of the global energy needs in the world. You know, So we are reliant. The world economy runs largely on oil and gas. And South Africa is blessed with this oil and gas. But for a long time, we have not explored our resources for a number of reasons. And we can have another day when I visit your studios to discuss why this is the case. You are supposed but to be here. No, don't go there. <laughs> I, so apologies. I thought the interview was in the morning. But yes, I would really like to be with you in studio sure. just to get around Indeed. these uh, technical glitches. Mm. So the world, as we know, in any economy, runs on oil and gas. Mm. And as South Africa, we are also equally blessed with the oil and gas. But we have not tapped on our resources. So as you see now, most of the wars we've had globally were actually wars that were fought around oil and gas. Geopolitics is largely influenced by oil and gas. So if you are not a producer of this oil and gas, unfortunately, you will be at the receiving end. So you will always be a price taker. You will always be a victim of this geopolitics. And that's where South Africa is at the moment. We are a victim, yet we are supposed to be a strategic player, Songhezo. So the petroleum agency of South Africa is saying to government, let us accelerate mm. the development of our own upstream oil and gas industry. Let us move South Africa from being the exploration region that it is to now being a, a producer of oil and gas. Unfortunately, things are moving slow on our side. Moving slow because the debate around um, the transition to a clean energy future is causing a slight confusion. And I dare to say, in some cases, some people are muddying the waters deliberately. But as it is now, even as the world transition to a clean energy future, as we know, Songhezo, oil and gas, unfortunately, is an, emit an emitter of greenhouse gas emission. Mm -hmm. But as South Africa, our economy currently is heavily reliant on oil, uh, sorry, on coal. So if we were to use oil and gas in our economy, that already reduces our carbon footprint as a country. So for South Africa, the use of oil and gas is still consistent with our decarbonization strategy. So as Mrs. Pindi was getting warm here because in line with our decarbonization strategy, she was going to move on in terms of I wouldn't anticipate to what we are doing, to what opportunity especially might still exist because this is because when you're talking about oil and gas exploration, in particular that which lies out at sea, I mean South Africa has a coastline of over three and a half thousand, nearly four thousand kilometers of coastline and an EEZ, exclusive economic zone of just, what, 1 million square kilometers? Now, 65% of that 1 million square kilometers is at a depth in excess of 2,000 meters. And, and, and this extends, in some cases, to some 5,700 meters depth. That's nearly 6 kilometers. So when you're talking about potential 
potential deposits of oil and gas in South Africa's EEZ, Exclusive Economic Zone, I really want us in this conversation to tap into that potential. And I'm hoping that Sispindi is back and has heard what I've said because you were talking about our decarbonization strategy that despite our emissions, we are well within it. But if I may, just on that point, I mean... Whatever our carbon footprint is, it pales in comparison to the real polluters of the world. And if you look northwest of the equator, and if you look northeast, frankly speaking, of the same equator where the industrial nations are and the manufacturing nations of the globe are, South Africa and, dare I say, the best part of the African continent, if not exclusive part of the African continent, account for very little. In fact, the energy impact report or Africa energy impact report says that less than 3% of the global carbon emissions come from Africa. So in reality, we are not the reason why we have, if you like, climate change as we know it and the questions of carbon emissions really are not for Africa to bring the solutions because we are not the ones who are creating the problems. Suspendi, are you there? I am here, Songezo, uh, but it really is interrupting. Um, let us try. I think I heard you talking about the fact that we have these deposits, some of them deep offshore uh, on our exclusive continental shelf. And of course, uh, because these deposits are there, Songezo, the oil and gas industry, as I say, whether for domestic use or for us to participate in the global economy, mm. we can extract these resources and export them to the um, to the rest of the world. The world, Songezo, in spite of decarbonization, is going to continue to rely on oil and gas. And we are saying to South Africa, we have our own resources. There is no need for us to be a price taker. Let us open up our our basins and start being a producer instead of being an explorer whom we've been. This will also help not just in the energy security problems that we have as a country, but in terms of economic development and economic recovery of the country. Let's take a call, if you will, please. 2031 is the time. We have our usual customer whom we love and appreciate, even though sometimes we love to hate. In Newlands, it's Mike. <laughs> Thanks, Sankirtha. That's very kind interview. And I must say, I'm enjoying this. I, I, I am trying to understand something. Is your, <clears throat> excuse me, is your, I'm sitting in the dark here. Is your guest uh, referring to fracking when she refers to exploiting, explo- exploiting our resources? I'd just be keen to know about that. I'd like to also just know where do we stand with our gas situation and whether that falls under her portfolio. To be honest, I've never heard of this department. But does that? what has happened at Mossel Bay? Is it even operational? Because that I went past the other day, it looked very rusty, very dirty, and didn't look very, well, it just didn't look like it was operation at all. Is that still going? And if not, why not? And then finally, does she have any comment on the oil that was sold uh, by uh, the previous Minister of Energy, uh, Mrs. Jermatt Peterson, she'll recall uh, we sold that oil, we gave it away at $26 a barrel, um, and I think the oil then was at $56 a barrel. It's now around about $92 a barrel. So we gave that fuel away 
where is that fuel today? Did we ever get the money? Does this lady know? Can she get, put any information on that? She might recall the incident because Jermatt Peterson was actually, actually went and lied about the fact that she said the fuel hadn't been sold when in fact it had. And she did have the good grace to apologize to the country for telling us that lie. So if we could just, I'd like to know those three questions, please. Thanks so much. Sure. So, Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Mike and Yulinsis Pindi. I hope you've got it. It's fracking, it's gas, and where we are in relation to that, what's happening in Mossel Bay, and can you comment on the selling of our oil reserves? I think Mike is referring, I could be wrong, to the Central Energy Fund. Yeah. Yes, oh, yes, indeed. Sammy in Soweto has a question to ask, and I think we have another caller after Sammy. Sammy, please. Well, sir, how's it? I'm okay. Mm. You, you remember during apartheid Iran, as easy as it was, but our country used to produce petrol from coal, right? It was during the times when Fasol was still a state on enterprise. But right now, we are no longer producing petrol from coal. It's, not, it's costly for us because we are being held ransom. We are, we are being choked by open countries. So my question is this. Why is our country no longer producing petrol from coal? Because it was much more affordable. Short and sweet to the point. Thank you so much, Sammy. Ulusus Pindi has got that. Ramasito in Pretoria. Okay, do you want to respond so fast as Pindi to Mike and Sammy while we wait for the caller from Pretoria to come through? Sis Pindi. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah, this, this this is difficult. This is really difficult. Unfortunately, this is the reality we all have in many ways come to somewhat accept. I mean, I don't think many of you would be surprised that we're having this challenge. It happens when you try and call somebody in the middle of no shedding. You don't have network for the best part of the time. Sis Pindi, are you there by any chance? Okay, let's go to Ramaseto for the sake of at least engaging his thoughts on this matter. Ramaseto, good evening. Welcome to SAFM. Yes, evening. Thanks for taking my call and evening to you, the presenter and the, mm. the and the and the, the listeners, <clears throat> I I just want to find out because the other time I was reading about the oil and gas, which is uh, which is said to be around 275 case from Moses Bay. No? Now, according to what I was reading, the shareholding goes as follows on that project of oil and gas, which was discovered. 45 percent. Is total, by total. 25% by Qatar. So already you have 70%, right? 20% Canadian company. The remaining 10% is by Main Street, of which there is a, 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 a guy, I think, from Springs called Nestle and Seco, who owns 51% of that uh, 10%, and then the 49% is by Canadians. So actually, my question is, when you look, when I was reading this, South Africa doesn't own even 1% of that whole project. So my question is now, when they say that this oil and gas exploration is going to benefit, it belongs to to South Africa or Africa, I don't know. I don't see it. It's called Brulpada. Brulpada, that that, that whole thing I'm talking about is Brulpada. If you look at the shareholding, 45% total, 25% Qatar, 20% Canadian company, the remaining 
is Main Street. And I don't see any government in South Africa. So I want to find out because people say, no, it's benefiting it's our oil and gas, which is not true. I don't see it there in that group. Okay, let's give Suspindi an opportunity to reply. Thank you so much, Ramasito. Suspindi, to the extent that you were able to pick up any of the questions coming through from any of the three callers, please won't you try and indulge them? I know it has been difficult. It certainly is on our end, but let's try and make something of what little we have. I'll try Songezo. So let me start with the strategic stocks which were sold. Uh, there was a court case. The court ruled in government's favor. So we returned the money uh, to the people that it was sold to. The strategic stocks are in our country, are still in our country, in our tanks. They are uh, government's property. So that uh, those oil reserves are still South Africans' oil reserves. And that transaction was reversed, Songezo. Secondly, in terms of coal to liquid fuels, what is happening there is that Sasol is reducing the amount of coal that it uses to produce those fuels. So it is substituting gas for coal in order to reduce the emission. Exactly what I said, that the use of gas instead of coal actually reduces your carbon emissions. So that's exactly what Sasol is doing. So we are continuing to produce transport fuels in that refinery, except that we are swapping around. Instead of coal, we are now using gas, which makes it even more important for South Africa to produce its own gas. So the gas that's being used there currently is actually imported from Mozambique. And the Mozambique government has made it clear to South Africa that they need gas to develop their own economy. And yet we've got our own gas and we're not producing it. So that um, feedstock supply to that refinery must be supplied by our own indigenous gas. Ownership in the Propalda and Leopard discoveries, the caller is correct. The, the consortium is exactly as the last caller has described it, except, of course, Main Street, uh, Songhezo, is actually a South African company. That's how the consortium was when they were doing exploration. On the 5th of September 2022, they applied to our company for a production right. We've made it clear to them that we will award this production right provided they bring in the South African government to participate as a shareholder. So yes, as the regulator, in line with our mandate of fostering transformation, we want to increase the South African participation on that project from the current 10% to a much higher percentage. We are negotiating with the JV partners how much shareholding the South African government will hold, will hold on that. There was a question, I think, around fracking, Songhezo, am I correct? Correct, yes. Mike in Newlands was asking that. When you talk um, about exploration, Songhezo. is it in reference to fracking or is fracking only but a part of the exploration of oil and gas? Perfect. It's only but a part of, of the exploration. So, yes, we hold the ninth largest uh, shale gas reserves in the world. South Africa has got about 290 CF 
of trade gas. So we have a lot of trade gas in the Karoo, but our cabinet said, let's hold off the exploration of that shale gas until such a time that as a regulator, we understand the quality and the quantity of our groundwater in the Karoo so that we are able to hold the operators to account if they pollute our groundwater. So we are not yet exploring in the Karoo Songhezo simply because we are doing what we call the geo-environmental baseline. That means we are understanding what is the natural activity. That's okay. Hey. Can't make this up. Let's take a couple of voice notes in the meantime while we try and revive our connection to Usas Pindi. I'm, I'm very sorry to you at home, but I mean, I think I've more than made the case clear and we are rolling with the punches as they come. But we do have a contingency. We have a couple of voice notes that we will play with the hope that after that we can not only get Suspindi back, we can just get her to give us a final summary of parts of the salient issues but certainly best believe when we are back and available and we don't have to deal with these challenges she will be in studio and she'll probably have a Tuesday takeover because I think what she has to contribute against certainly your questions and comments are very important. Hello Songezo, thank you for the informative program on the oil and gas issue, petroleum. What will South Africa do differently from the other countries? You just have to look up north there Angola, we look at Nigeria, where they've got oil, but the fortunes of the generality of their people has not improved. What will South Africa do differently? What has South Africa learned so that it will do it differently when oil is being exploited here? Thank you. Songhezo, uh, uh, let me conquer with uh, my sister there what she was speaking. South Africa is a heavily uh reliance on oil and gas is true the issue of bringing uh, clean energy is the narrative by western countries the western countries they would like to implement what they planned long time ago so that we can keep on relying on them the fact that South Africa relies uh, heavily on oil and gas from other countries that are producing, such as Russia, Saudi Arabia, and others, it is also going to be the same reliance from the Western countries that are producing solar panels and those uh, clean energy devices that are producing. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. 2043, we have about two minutes left of this conversation, so I'm not going to prompt any further from Mrs. Pindi other than to invite her to complete her responses, if she will, or in one way or the other respond to these voice notes. Otherwise, give us a summary of the work that PASA does and some of the themes that are coming through from you at home, the listeners, what she makes of it. Mrs. Pindi, final comment. Um, Songhezo, I liked the question of what are we going to do differently so that the extraction of our oil and gas resources uplifts our um, social and economic standing of our people so that the benefits are derived. I want to look at differently from the caller. I don't want to look at the countries who have failed. There are other countries who have equally succeeded in making sure that oil and gas resources are used to benefit all their people. Oil and gas resources are used to uplift the development of the country. I'm talking here about Norway. 
we know what oil and gas has done to Norway. When they started uh, um, extracting their oil and gas in 1970, it transformed that country from the bottom undeveloped countries to the top and best developed countries that we know it as it is. They, 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 they did differently. And the question is, what lessons can we learn from those countries that are successful? Let me give another example. Mm. We are looking towards Guyana right now. Guyana, which, as you know, last year had 51% GDP growth. Simply because of the 51. oil and gas industry. 51% Goodness GDP gracious. growth. 51%. You better start drilling in the orange basin there, please, Spindi. <laughs> at the back of oil and gas. And what they have done, they have a transparent model which shows you how much revenues are coming for oil and gas and what non-oil and gas sectors, that revenue that comes to into to, to government, what, what those revenues are used to fund. So, for example, they've got a huge highway that is going to connect two of their countries. Their um, educational system is being revolutionized because of oil and gas. And we are advising our principals to say oil and gas must be used to uplift the country. It must be used to rescue us from this economic crisis that we are in. It is possible. I do want to agree that there are countries which have not seen the benefit accruing to the average person of the, on the street. Instead, it has, been re, it has been used to enrich politicians. Let us use ours positively, Songhezo, and it is possible. Norway is an example. Guyana is an example. So there are countries which we are using, which we are using as our model, as we advise our government to say, let us do things differently and make sure that these resources benefit our people. Let's paint a different narrative as mm. we're going forward. What needs to happen, uh, Songhezo, is that our institutions that hold our government to account must be strengthened. Quick question. Or rather, as a comment from what you're saying, which is a follow-up from the colloquium of a couple of months ago, it seems as though people do eat oil. <laughs> oh, no, definitely they do, Songhezo. By the way, um, agriculture, as you know it now, has been made efficient simply because we started producing fertilizer from gas. Final question. So without fertilizer, you would actually not be able to feed the close to 7 billion people we have on this planet. So yes, we do eat oil songhezo. Donald in Rustenburg, this is the final question and I'll ask you please just to be as brief. Good evening Songhezo and the team. In other communities, there is a total rejection of these exploration and oil extraction companies. What could be done to convince those people in those areas? And I'm especially minded to ask this question in relation to those communities. Fishing communities are particularly along the western coastline of the country, but also for those environmentalists out there who, who are concerned about ONG exploration at sea especially, and for that matter, the fracking question comes to mind as well. Ten years ago, we were worried about fracking in the Karoo and freshwater reserves potentially being compromised, the water table underground. What can you say to shelve those concerns? Okay, it appears as though Suspendi and I are not in sync. I propose, ladies and gentlemen, to put it on ice only for now because of the obvious challenges. She will be back. We shall continue this conversation, certainly, and I think it merits on its own a takeover. The time is 2048. We have to move on.